0: Hey, hey, Midtowners and C5 community, it's great to be with you today. I'm here today with Matt Avery. I'm Randy Drawn, one of the pastors here at Midtown, and glad to be talking with you guys today. Hey, Matt,
1: how's it going? Hey, Randy. Uh, It's going good, man. Yeah. What's
0: been going on over at the Avery household?
1: Ooh, the Avery house, we got a lot of homeschool going on, uh, a lot of playing outside, a lot of walks in the neighborhood. We finished Tiger King. So that was a big milestone event for us.
0: Man, I got about three uh, shows into Tiger King, and I'm having a hard time coming back to it. Does it get better after episode three?
1: You know, I don't think anything related to that show gets better (laughs) ever at all. I think it just gets worse. Do you have to love
0: tigers to see this show, or love really weird people? I
1: think you have to love train wrecks involving tigers to love the show.
0: Train wreck. (laughs) And you walk a lot, don't you? Or do you run?
1: Yeah, both.
0: Yeah, has this season gotten you out on the streets? I think I heard you say that you've enjoyed your walks and your runs.
1: Yeah, that's been a, a huge blessing in uh, the social distancing its just getting outside and moving.
0: Well, hey, man, I'm excited to be here with you today for your community, Congregation 5. Where is this congregation going to be, man?
1: Yeah, we, uh, we're we going to be somewhere on the west side of town. I've been telling people between 21st and Hillsborough Village and Charlotte Avenue, uh, but somewhere in that west corridor close into the city.
0: Man, that's that's kind of a booming area too, isn't it? And there are a lot of construction going on and mm-hmm. uh, new people moving into the city. When you think about that part of the city and you guys planning our next congregation over there, is there kind of a demographic of folks that you imagine you guys will be reaching?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're targeting young urban professionals. And so that's who, who we feel called to, you know, Lord willing, we're going to have a very age and socioeconomic diverse uh, body over there, but that's yeah. the target audience.
0: I think about the folks that have moved in on that side of town that meet that demographic a lot of them are new to Nashville. They've been mm-hmm. here less than two years. I would think that a lot of them live in condos or apartments mm-hmm. or first-time home buyers. What are some of the other things about that crowd <laughs> of people that you guys have discovered, and why do you love those people so much?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I think one thing that's really uh, stands out is just like everybody else, just looking for life. And I think a lot of the ways that the young urban professionals are looking for life is through their career, through relationships. And there's a a lot of folks who are very confused as to where life comes from and even how to engage in those things. Looking for life in my career, looking for life in my friendships and dating relationships, putting the weight of an eternal pressure, a God-sized pressure on those things, actually crushes me and crushes those things and leads me to a lot of feeling of isolation and despair. And so what we want to do is we want to bring the gospel um, to those folks and invite them into our community and uh, to, to find life in Jesus and then to go out with the life that he's given into career, into relationships, into the community where they live and see the blessings that They are called to be in those places and the joy of being a blessing and even enjoying the blessings of those things, but not putting that eternal weight on those things or those people.
0: This has kind of been the crowd of people that God has called you to almost your entire ministry career, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because in Charlotte, you were really involved in working with that age group in Knoxville and now here in Nashville. And one of the things that I have often heard from that community of people is they're in the first season of their life where they're having to build their own community. Mm -hmm. That when they were in high school, community was kind of given to them. And then when they college, I mean, college, you're kind of just handed a community, whether it's a fraternity or a sorority or maybe some club or Mm -hmm. even your major, or you live in a dorm, like community just happens. But then you leave school and you come to a city like Nashville for a new job. And you realize that you haven't developed any of the skills for developing a community.
1: I don't know how to make friends. D-
0: <laughs> so you just wander around the city. No, it's not that bad, yeah. but it's a huge need for this demographic that you guys want to reach. Yeah. And I've heard you say this before, that the community that you're building with C5, it's almost like a light the way C5 loves each other is like a light to this demographic of people that are looking for a place to belong and a place to be loved and to love.
1: Yeah. I I think a couple of things stand out to me in that younger professional crowd looking for community and, and not knowing how to find it. One is that professional crowd, we've been groomed and shaped to think that we need to do and be everything for ourselves. Yeah. That independence is maturity. And so- there's a, a nuclear arms race of me acquiring money and status and power and know-how. And if I can just be independent and be able to do life on my own terms, then that's winning. And then the other piece of the puzzle that I think is a, is a big issue is when you have a lot of people in that crowd that don't know how to make friends and, and really don't know what friendship or community is, then what you have is a lot of people in close proximity to each other who aren't really being community or friends at all they're just coexisting in the same places right. and because of that independence and that drive to be independent it's a it's a lot of measuring up and so this is actually just a group of peers that we go perform in front of and uh, maybe have a few beers with but these are not people that are Um, The way that Jesus talks about friendship and community, um, we're actually very lonely because we don't have that.
0: It's almost like the coronavirus has given a physical display of social distancing to a generation of people that have already relationally distancing. Mm. Mm -hmm. That spiritually and heart level, that distancing has already taken place, and now there's a physical representation of that. So I know one of your big values in C5 is to build a community that really displays a gospel-centered community. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. The word that comes to my mind more than any other is just freedom. I do this. I know this young urban professional crowd does this, but we walk through life believing that we need to present to everybody that we're enough, that we're okay, that we have it all together, that we're winning. And um what I want to do, what I'm passionate about, because that this, sounded
0: very Tiger Kingish of you. <laughs> <laughs> We're winning.
1: <laughs> what I want to do, and what we want to do, is to create a true community where people can take the masks off and and just exhale and yeah. be themselves, and see that the things that are threatening about that are not real, and that that's actually the invitation that Jesus gives to us in community, he talks a lot about his people being a body, that we're supposed to be that tight, that united. And as we live in that community, that frees us up because we're showing more of who we really are and what we're really afraid of and what we're dealing with and desiring. We're sharing that with each other. And that gives us permission to really be ourselves and be who we are, where we are. Man, that's how I wanna live. I don't wanna live in this pressure cooker. Yeah. of trying to be somebody and something that I'm not. I want to live in a place where I can be free to explore um, who it is that God's made me so that I can enjoy enjoy life the way that he's made me to enjoy it.
0: If you guys, if the C5 community builds a place like that, I want to go to church there. <laughs> <laughs> because it really is a, a beautiful thing and displays in the gospel. Jesus even said to his disciples, the way you love one another will show the world that I am real. And mm. so the reality of what you're talking about was first stated by Jesus in the gospel. So that's exciting. And um, the passage that you're going to take us to today really helps us think about how C5 is going to build that kind of community.
1: Yeah, this passage, if you think about last week when we talked about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, if if last week's passage was deconstructing evangelism so that we could reconstruct what real evangelism is, This week is deconstructing what it is to live in community together and be in proximity with each other and to construct what actual community is the way that Jesus intends it.
0: Yeah, I love this passage, and I'm going to get you to read it for us. really talks about everything you just said, a community that's vulnerable enough to be real Mm -hmm. and vulnerable enough to actually grow into who God intended us to be. In a community that sees us and loves us and cheers us on, and we do the same. Yeah. So take us to it, man.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is uh, Acts chapter nine, verses one through twelve. This is the conversion of Saul, and uh, Saul is who becomes Paul, who writes a lot of the New Testament. And so here we go. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way that was anybody following Jesus men or women he might bring them bound to Jerusalem now as he went on his way he approached damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground he heard a voice saying to him saul saul why are you persecuting me and he said who are you lord The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight.
0: Wow, Saul is kind of a Navy SEAL against the church here, isn't he?
1: yeah he's hungry, man. he He's not even content to stay where he is and persecute Christians. He's ready to move out to new places <laughs> to find people to mess with.
0: so tell us what you're seeing in this passage,
1: yeah, I think uh the first thing we want to see here is is identifying with Saul. He is very threatened by Jesus. He's very threatened by who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. And so he is going to persecute Jesus. A definition of persecution is to treat someone in a hostile way because of their religious beliefs. And so I think about myself here in Saul's shoes, persecuting Jesus because one of Jesus's religious beliefs is that he's actually the Lord of my life. (laughs) So I treat Jesus in a hostile way quite frequently for for believing that he is the Lord of my life.
0: So you're saying that there is <laughs> a spirit of Saul in all of us.
1: Yeah. Wow. And it's that same spirit that causes us to think that, that we're okay and, and even maybe to think that we are on board with Jesus when actually we are diametrically opposed to everything that he is trying to do. Like Saul in this passage is claiming to go into Damascus and be on this mission for God. And he's actually working directly in opposition to God and what God is trying to do.
0: Hmm. It's a scary thing to have a Lord other than myself, because I'm not always certain that the Lord of my life is going to have the same perspective and view and direction on my life than I want. Yeah. I really am a lot more comfortable with me being the
1: Lord (laughs) of my life. I've thought a lot more about this. That's right. (laughs) Than God has.
0: Yeah. I love what Kirk, one of our other pastors uh, that's associated with Midtown, used to say, he said, you know, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I resonate with that. Yeah. 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 And so we need to listen to this. We need to pay attention to this because at first listen, we hear this and hear, you know, Jesus saying that Saul is persecuting him and we can say, wow, that, I don't identify with that, but but really, that same spirit is in us. And there are a lot of times that I and we are very threatened by Jesus and what he's trying to do in our lives because we don't trust him and because we believe that, that we know better. And so we spend a lot of time trying to protect ourselves from what he's doing. Yeah. And that's a place that the enemy's really got us turned around because he always approaches his people in grace. He is always coming to give good gifts and lead us to life and healing and freedom. But so often I believe that I need to protect myself from him and what he's doing. Mm. And so he does what he does here, which is in great love and mercy, he overpowers Saul. And he shows Saul in a very, very powerful way that Saul is not Lord and that he is. Mm. But he doesn't do that to destroy him. He does that so that he will, will see that he is Lord and follow him.
0: Yeah, it's a, um, it's a hard thing when the Lord begins to humble us, mm-hmm. because in humbling us, he's really displaying two things. He's displaying his power, but he's also displaying my tremendous lack of power,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or he's pulling um, you know, the curtain back on my lack of power that yeah. I've trusted so much. Yeah. And why would he do that?
1: Man, why would he do that? <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, why is, he, why is he exposing my weakness? Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem like a very kind thing for Jesus to do.
1: Well, one thing I, I see here is um, I know this is true of myself. I will continue to persecute Jesus until he overpowers me, and then I will slide back into persecuting Jesus until he <laughs> overpowers me again. And so as scared as I am of that happening— That is actually the best thing in the world because him overpowering me is the only thing that will get me off of the throne so that I can be a part of what he's doing. And what he's doing is good. If we take what scripture says about us and who we are and and the sin that we deal with, then we have to believe the truth that we have blind spots and that there are things that we think are giving us life that are actually killing us. There are things that we think are making our life work. They're actually keeping us from Jesus who is life. Mm. And so when he comes and overpowers us and he shows us our weakness, uh, it's a great kindness to us because we know somewhere deep down, we feel it. It's all the anxiety and pressure and fear that we feel that we don't have what it takes to be the Lord of our lives. We don't have what it takes to be the shepherd of our own souls or the, the King of our, our lives. And, He's coming in love to say, I do, I am. And that's good news because I love you. I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to invite you to let me be king so that you can rest in me.
0: So it seems like what you're saying is that sometimes the Lord is exposing what I consider my greatest strengths and uh, revealing that in some ways they're my greatest weaknesses. And my greatest Mm -hmm. strengths are those go-to places that I trust to carry me through the day, the go-to places that I trust to kind of win in. Yeah. You know, all those things that I kind of lean on that I think here are my greatest strengths, the Lord is exposing them as greatest weaknesses because it's keeping me from actually trusting a greater strength, yes. which is Him.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, here in this passage, when Jesus comes and, and He shows up like this, and he he literally, his presence knocks Saul down. Saul was the man. I mean, Saul was brilliant. He was trained, educated. He was very efficient, very effective at his work, you know, thinking about our our desires um, in our lives to be to be independent. He was very independent. He was very good at at winning. So now Jesus has just totally knocked him off his horse. And here is this man who is now weak and helpless and blind. But now he's able to be used by Jesus for the first time. He's able to participate in God's good work in his life that's for horrible, the first time. That's a horrible <laughs>
0: promotion. Come to C5. You will be blind, weak, and lose everything. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that That's not going to work?
0: I, I don't know. That may work. But you see what I'm saying is yeah. that this whole idea of the gospel is crazy in a world that builds its whole platform on being able to see, having plenty of power, Mm -hmm. having plenty of resources, Mm -hmm. and being the man, uh, which is this demographic that you guys are going to reach. Yeah. And you're coming in and saying that those things are actually keeping you from the greatest things. Yes. Um, So like when you think about C5 and the people that are listening to this, can you think of some of what they consider strengths that, in essence, the Lord is saying you got to put that down?
1: Yeah, I mean I think one of the the biggest and broadest is just being okay hmm. to not need. I'm so tempted to feel shame about needing of of needing money, of needing help, of needing someone to to pray for me, of needing someone to share my fears and feelings with and just to listen to me. Yeah. Man, I hate all of that and I think that's a a big struggle for our people. I mean I'll just give you a concrete example from this coronavirus season. I've been calling a lot of our people asking how everybody's doing and there have been a lot more people that have shared, hey, if you hear of any needs, I would be glad to give than people sharing, hey, I have some needs. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because we don't want to be needy.
0: Right, yeah.
1: You know, everything in our life experience, um, our education, our social circles, our work communities... You, you're not ever rewarded for being needy.
0: Yeah, I was with a group of people the other day, and we were talking about that if you don't have needs, it may be because you've shrunk your world down so small hmm. to make it a, just simply a place that you can control. Because mm-hmm. if if you want to expand your needs, come with me to North Nashville, where the tornado has blown through, and now the coronavirus is threatening a very vulnerable community. Go up there and love Yeah, And you want to talk about prayer requests, like you will have plenty, or to dare to do what you're asking C5 to do, which is to go into West Nashville and actually begin to love people that may not even know Jesus. And boy, you want to talk about needing prayer and needing community and being able to express that need is a vital part of what you're saying community is all about.
1: That's what we want to be about, is we want to be a community that it is normal and healthy. It's a sign of health to, first of all, have people close enough that you've cultivated a, a trust and relationship with to call, but to call those people and to say, hey, here's where I am. Will you pray for me? Hmm. Hey, here's what I need. Would you do this for me? Would you be there for me?
0: It's beautiful to create a community Where you guys are going that is open about their need for each other, man, that's beautiful. And for us to cultivate that kind of trust in each other, man, that sounds like a beautiful community you guys are building. Talk to me about, there's another character in this story, Ananias. Yeah. What's up with this cat? (laughs) And I say that in a Tiger King kind of way. Thank
1: you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ananias, we don't know much about him. We just know that he was somebody who was following Jesus and uh, somebody who was in a posture and a rhythm of learning how to hear from God in prayer. And so this man is, he's not the world's most mature believer. He's not the the world's most gifted man. Um, He's somebody that we actually don't know hardly anything about. He's just somebody that's following Jesus. And so Jesus comes to him and I love his response. Here I am, Lord.
0: You know, I think that sometimes we wonder how to step into our needs. And maybe one of the most practical ways we do that is what we see right here in Ananias is we start to listen because mm-hmm. when we listen, we're really saying i I need to hear, yes,
1: And the Lord obviously is speaking to this man. What's wrapped up in that statement, "Here I am, Lord." you know to me, it's this posture of waiting. It's this posture of expecting, listening, meditating on. On the word of God, um, meditating on the truth of God and letting God speak and letting that wash over you and you know letting him inform you. You know, when Jesus shows up to Saul on the road here, he says, Hey, you're gonna go be told what you're to do. And that's a statement of love. And and that's a statement that Ananias would be very comfortable with. Um, hey, you're gonna be told what to do um, by your King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's he's very open to that because he he trusts and loves his King Jesus.
0: I love, Matt, and I've heard you say this before, that when we come to the Word, we come expecting to hear the voice of God speak to us. Mm-hmm. And again, that is, uh, as believers, we have a deep need for our Father who's full of compassion to actually speak to us. I think it's in Psalm 119 that says, His Word is a light unto my path. How do the people of C5, how do they come to the Word with an expectancy to hear God speak to them?
1: That's a great question. I, I can share what has been helpful for me is just learning to come and, and be quiet first and just quiet my heart and um, pay attention to what is running through my heart and head and begin to offload that just by giving that to Jesus confessing what's there. Hey, I'm thinking about this because I'm afraid of this. Lord, I just give that to you and I want to hear from you. You know, asking him to prepare your heart to hear from him and knowing that it's a long game, that it's a lifelong journey. And so there's not this pressure of every time I sit down with the Lord, I have to hear some amazing transformative thing. That's actually a way in which I can try to still be king. I can try to make him show up when I'm ready to, yeah. to hear from him. Right, But it's just sitting in his presence. And then something that I love to do is, is take a psalm or take a, a passage from the Gospels. Um, Elliot actually, in his pastoral video this week, um, shared a really similar thing. But just to sit in a piece of scripture with God and to read it very slowly and meditatively and just to think on it and to see what he draws your attention to it's
0: beautiful because i know and this passage is really illustrating this when we spend time with that with god and we hear from god a lot of times he does in our life what he just did in ananias's life he takes us to other people. Mm-hmm. I mean ananias is used by god to uh to go bring gospel healing to the apostle paul. Yeah. You know and yes. like he uses us to do that too, doesn't
1: he? Yes, he does. And that's a question for us is, do we believe that God continues to call us as individual followers of Jesus who are not particularly qualified for any reason? Yeah, because we, we know nothing about Yeah, organize, do you? I mean, we don't have a resume. It's not about having a resume. It's right. not about having a, a knowledge. It's just, just listened. Yeah, it's just about a relationship with Jesus and that, do we believe that Jesus still calls his followers specific individual people to other specific individual people to bring his healing and his growth. Yeah. And the answer for us is yes, we believe that.
0: So uh, we're coming to the end of our time, Matt, but I would love to hear your heart. When you think about C5 over on the west side of town, reaching these young professionals, and you took me five years into the future. Mm. Coronavirus is gone. What would you like to see in that community of people? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you love to see your campus look like with the folks that are there?
1: Oh, man. I would love to see a growing body of people who are not bound together by their demographics or their backgrounds or their interests or how much money they make. In fact, I would love to see a very diverse body who is bound together by a great love for each other that they have because of the love that they've been loved by jesus with uh, and that the love that they have for jesus and so what that community would feel like is there would be a lot of laughter there would be a lot of joy a lot of celebration uh, but there would also be uh, a lot of honesty and a lot of, of desire both to share needs and to to meet needs and and that that's fluid that that's there aren't half of these people are the people with needs and the other half are the people that are always meeting needs the way that Jesus works is that we all have needs and we all have ways to meet needs and it's just this fluid uh, it's it's the body it's this image of the body that he gives us in scripture that we are we are united as different parts of the body just the way that that our bodies are united mm-hmm. um and that we're caring for each other and growing and healing and we are we're his vessels for that and so this would be a, a community where we're you know still a lot of young urban professionals still doing their their same work still living in their same places but they're inviting people into a place of uh, freedom and peace and uh, that that we would just be drawing people into life
0: yeah it's beautiful man I, I think that in a city that has a lot of churches or I should say a lot of church buildings in it. It's amazing for you guys to have a vision of planning a congregation with a bunch of Ananiases where people aren't drawn to your church because you have a steeple out front, but they're drawn in because your C5 core group have gone out to them and shared the gospel with them. Mm -hmm. And they've seen Paul-like experiences where people have come to know Christ and now are joining this fellowship to become fully mature followers of Jesus Christ and participate in the mission that you just described, this vulnerable, healthy, giving and taking community. Um, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, I, I love the idea of us sharing the gospel in this way through being vulnerable with people who have no concept for what that is. And and to go into these spheres where everybody is trying not to be vulnerable and for them to see the strength behind our vulnerability, being a trust in somebody who is much greater than we are, and that that would free those people up to then be honest about where they are, so that they could come to the end of themselves to meet the Jesus who is there at the end of themselves.
0: Hey, as we end our time together, I've heard that there have been some small groups that have started uh, with C five. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we're uh, we are gathering into groups. I think right now we have about. 60 or so people that are jumping in these temporary Zoom small groups for this Corona season. And uh, those groups are going to kick off this coming week. And so I would love, if anybody's not yet in a group and would love, uh, has the bandwidth and desire to get in and get connected, that you do that. Nice. Yeah.
0: Did you know that uh, in Zoom that you can change the background on your picture?
1: <laughs> no. Tell me more about that.
0: <laughs> I was in a meeting yesterday, and I changed the background to the picture that all us pastors took when we were in the escape game. So it looked like all the pastors were sitting right behind me in the Zoom meeting. It was wonderfully creepy. Much like Tiger King. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. I need uh, a Tiger King background.
0: So can folks still join groups? um, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you would encourage them to do that?
1: Yeah. There was an email that got sent out this Monday with uh, the groups and contact information for all the group leaders. And so find a group that meets on a night that you're free and uh, reach out and tell them you want to be a part.
0: Well, Matt, thanks, man. This has been great to be with you again. And would love for you to pray for C5 and your community as we leave yeah. this podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks Randy. Father, uh, we we come to you this morning and we are so aware of your goodness. And sometimes your goodness is scary because you are challenging our authority on our lives. And so we ask that you would come and continue to overpower us in your love so that we could come to the end of ourselves and find you there who is a much better Lord for our life than we are. And uh, that in doing that, you would give us freedom and peace and joy and love. And that would be what builds this community, Um, Lord, that that would be what shapes Congregation Five, is uh, that freedom and joy and love and peace, and uh, that we would then do what is the only natural Response or reaction to that, as we would we would again move out um, into other people's lives and into the community and invite them into this uh, this community of peace and freedom and joy, uh, and that we would see lives transformed through your love and through your your power. Mm-hmm. And so, Father, we uh, ask that also during this season that you would uh, meet the needs that we have, and like Ananias here, uh, that you would lead us to be vessels of you meeting the needs for one another that we have, whether that's prayer or just listening or, uh, or even financial help, Lord, that you would um, continue to show us how to be uh, the body for one another. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.